this is undisciplined. Academic by nature, undisciplined in practice. Now let's get into it. Matthew. Yes. Can you tell me, like growing up, what major moment would you say defined your boyhood? What major moment dis- defined, defined my boyhood? Yeah. If we're being honest, it was probably growing leg hair. Oh! <laughs> was that fascinating for you? Well, here's what happened. I was a late bloomer, and I didn't get leg hair until I was late in high school. Really? And so for me, I didn't really think that I was becoming... A man? A man until middle of high school because it was then that I started to hit puberty. I started to grow hair on my legs and I thought, oh, I guess this is going to happen. Wow. So did the other boys have conversations about your lack of leg hair? Not to my face. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's nice. That was very nice of them. Well, so Matthew, as I might have mentioned before, I went to an Anglican style British all girls boarding school mm-hmm. in Jamaica, as you know. And I cannot recall having many conversations, at least from the top administration or from the leadership, about the one thing that many of us likely had in common. Mm. Periods. I wonder why that is. <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> An all girls school. Right. Why are periods so vulgar? such that they cannot be mentioned in polite society. Mm. Caroline Cooper, Jamaican literary theorist, suggests that it's a part of a whole culture of Victorian repression Mm. that turned the human body into a shameful object, especially the sex organs. So pudenda, the fancy word for genitals, especially a woman's, comes from Latin and it means to be ashamed of. So if you're ashamed of the genitals, then you're going to be ashamed of the sanitary pads that are used to support those uh, reproductive organs during other biological processes. And to think that, something that is quite interesting here, Matthew, at the height of the coronavirus pandemic, Carlin Cooper pointed out, in China, hear this, both men and women resorted to wearing sanitary pads as makeshift face masks. Did you know that? I did not. I think I saw that on like social media or something. While they might do it in China, the average Jamaican man would not do that. I don't think American men would either. And you have to think about that. What is it that differentiate these different cultural cultures, right? Mm-hmm. What is it in different societies that would, you know, make maybe Chinese men so not, a, you know, not ashamed as American or Jamaican men? So it's the very thought of putting a sanitary pad over the nose and mouth, right? Even without the trace of blood that, mm-hmm. you know, we have in our imagination, I think would uh, provoke a lot of responses from men, right? It's both attraction and disgust in a very interesting kind of way. But back to the USA, Matthew. Yes. Did you know that there is not a sale tax exemption for treating erectile dysfunction in Wisconsin? I did not know that. Hmm. I'm not surprised by that. (laughs) Really? 
What do you think? Do you think it's the same for feminine products? I'm aware of the idea of the pink tax. Ah, you were such a liberated man, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> NPR's um, Jordan Gaspour ran a story in 2016 that ex- explored that issue, right? Mm. Um, that highlights how while men can be exempt for taxes for, for, for products that support them in their biological processes, mm-hmm. the same cannot be said for women's um, hygienic products, right? So um, sale tax isn't applied to Viagra in Wisconsin. Wow. But it's applied to tampons and pads. Mm. Birth control, medicated condoms, yeast infection medications are exempt because they're considered drugs. Mm. And um, Jordan Gaspour wrote that one lawnmaker in the state says that the taboo around menstruation that prevents women from openly talking that same Victorian repression we talked about earlier, from openly talking about their periods may also explain why women are paying extra to manage their periods. Mm. Women are paying extra to be women. Yeah. I want my money back on my taxes. <laughs> <laughs> so women's health, as you might um, necessarily think about, Matthew, has been misunderstood and neglected. Politicians are now taking this up by and large, right? And a lot of it is that, um, according to the stories, that some women are ashamed of their period, as I said, in high school, a whole school full of girls. And no one could talk about it. And no it. one could talk about it. It's, you know, things like uh, that affect you in your period. Endometriosis, all of these different things that women experience, all these ideas, you know, you just kind of keep silent and you go by the stereotypes that society have because it's not something that is discussed. So there's this reluctance to talk about it. And because of that, it prevents the issue from gaining momentum um, and for them being taken up by largely legislatures that are largely run by men. You saw that photograph of men signing the bill for uh, abortion yes. and all of these other things related to women's health. So um, uh, Representative Melissa Sargent, um, a Democrat from Madison, um, recently sponsored a bill that calls for lawmakers to exempt feminine hygiene products from state sale tax. And this has become part of a nationwide movement Um, in places like Michigan. It's alleged um, from a story that I saw that Michigan receives around 6.3 million each year from menstrual product sales. 6.3 million. So um, removing that um, sales tax, people would uh, suggest would be a good first move. And so Governor Gretchen Whitmer recently signed legislation that would remove that sales tax from tampons and other menstrual products, saying that today I eliminated the tampon tax to lower prices for Michiganders. Repealing this unfair tax has been a long time in making, but this is the year that we pulled everyone together to get it done. So all of that has led to what people are calling period poverty. That term, period poverty. Where there are some people who have this lack of access to menstrual products, to education, to hygiene facilities, to waste management, to all of these things, right? And it can make people, according to research, um, feel ashamed about menstruating. Because of the stigma around periods, uh, you know, and again, we talked about people don't talk about it. So 
people are suggesting that this is also a public health crisis. Master's students um, Ashley Rapp and Sidonie Kilpatrick recently published a report. There's master's students in epidemiology, and they suggest that with one in five girls missing school due to lack of menstrual products, period poverty is important yet often ignored public health crisis. You know, thinking about the ways in which people have to use other products in lieu of uh, of sanitary products. You know, you have to use rags or paper towels, cardboards, you know, when you cannot afford these things, you know, for extended period of time. It can create a, a, a kind of hygienic um, issue for women. Low-income menstruators. This creates an issue of basic dignity. And it's a safety hazard. Exactly. These researchers suggest that, you know, this leaves people with the choice between buying tampons or providing other necessities for their families, an effect that is amplified when inadequate menstrual management prevents menstruators from going to job interviews, attending school, or taking their children to educational or social programming. So the effect is widespread. Today's guest, April Roy, the founder and CEO of FEMPAC. FEMPAC's mission is to provide sustainable convenience to women's health by providing a feminine emergency kit for those times when the period shows up. April, thank you so much for coming to Undiscipline. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my God. I'm so happy to be here. Wonderful. We're so happy to have you. Oh, my. So inspired by your work. I've heard so much about you. I think everybody is so inspired by what you're doing. And I want to know where that comes from. So tell me about... Where you're from? Where did you grow up? Yeah, I'm from uh, Southwest Arkansas, Lafayette County. Uh, that's where I was born and raised. Um, I grew up in a town where there was probably about three thousand people, um, and then I ended up moving to the town next door, which was considered our rival uh, my junior and senior year. But it was okay because. Again, it was a small county, so we all knew each other. So it's just like, oh, you went from one school to the next, but we all still know each other. Um, and so, yeah, I grew up being a person who got their period unexpectedly all the time. Um, my mom never, I realized she didn't think about like, oh, if she's on her period or not, you know, because during that time, she was also menstruating. So she only, I think, considered herself when she bought tampons and pads. And because of the stigma, I was so afraid to ask. Um, and so I was a person making makeshift pads all the time. Oh, really? Or I had to miss school uh, due to, like, severe cramps. So um, it's just kind of weird how I ended up in this space because that's not how I started. So do you remember... Um, get in your first cycle. I was in the fourth grade when I got my cycle. What and, age is that? Uh, I was probably about 10, 10 and a half. Um, and so I'll never forget, my mom was home. We She had just got off of work. I had just got home, and I just ran to the restroom. Um, so luckily for me, it wasn't something that started at school. I happened to be at home. Which was amazing. Which thing. was amazing. And yes. so I'll never forget when it happened. 
I'm <laughs> going to the bathroom. This may be TMI. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, used the restroom, wiped, and so happened to just look at the toilet paper, and it was blood. And it was just like, oh, my God, what is this? And I was just like, Mom. <laughs> She was like, what? And I opened the door. I'm like, what is this? Right right in her face. And she's just like, oh, my God. Like, girl, first of all, don't ever do that, you know. Um, And then uh, she gave me a pad. But that was never a conversation. So there was no prior conversation? There was never a conversation about, like, oh, this is what's going to happen This is what's coming. Exactly. Uh And so I got that talk in fifth grade in sex education. Uh Um, And that was just like, oh, you girls get periods. Be on the lookout. (laughs) You know, (laughs) there was never like, oh, here's a pad and this is how you use it. Or this is a tampon. This is how you use it. Well, for for me, as I said, growing up in boarding school, because we went to boarding school at 10. So, again, these experiences are governing a lot of our lives. And so I, of course, from other girls, you know, it was like, you know, asked Matt about his boyhood experience and, you know, getting leg ears and whatnot. (laughs) So, of course, you know, it was a thing. Oh, you got your period? Oh, my goodness. And so you'd be in, uh, like, for, like, tampons was really... Interesting because we just couldn't understand how to do it. Yes. And so I can recall in high school somebody being in the bathroom with the tampon and other girls being outside reading the instruction. You're like, are you sure? That was me. I don't think think that's what (laughs) you're supposed to do. It hurt or whatnot. We basically did not know. We were teaching ourselves Mm -hmm. as a group of young girls how to handle this function that define our lives, you know, in an all-girls environment. So it's very fascinating. I remember when I got my period, which was a little bit later than you, I think it was about 14, I was with my mother at her job, and I felt it coming, and I refused to get up from the seat I was sitting in, and I just started crying because I was so embarrassed. You know what I mean? That I would get in trouble. Yeah. I had messed up this thing. You know, that, again, this whole, you wonder how this idea of it being unsanitary and Mm -hmm. being taboo and being disgusting and unclean, infiltrate, how you internalize that. And so this is it. Yes. You know, refusing to get up. And then when my mother saw it, she was not pleased. And so that's what happened. So yes. it's very interesting that these stories, whether they're here or elsewhere, is defining all of our lives. Growing up, going through high school, was this a thing that, you know, you and your girls talked about? How did it figure into your future plans, you know, um, and then eventually what you wanted to study and things like that? You know, it was always that topic that we always talked about, like somebody getting their period unexpectedly or where you were or somebody having that moment um, because I played sports. Um, I grew up playing sports. Right. And Me too. I remember wearing that pad. Running up and down the track. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Like it's, it's slowly it? creeping up your back because, <laughs> you know, I didn't have the wings. And, he, <laughs> and it was just like one of those things. And I remember, like, oh my God, like 
I, I hate wearing pads. And I'll never forget my senior year. A friend of mine's was like, girl, you should just wear a tampon. And I was just like, oh, no, I can't wear a tampon because, again, my mom equated using a tampon to sex. Yes, yes. Um, And everybody's mom I knew felt the same way. They felt like if you were able to wear a tampon, you must be sexually active. Exactly. Because how is this thing, I guess, being inserted? Exactly. Yeah. Um, And so she gave me a regular like Kotex tampon um, and so I was real scared and she's just like showing me what to do like she was in the stall with me <laughs> like showing me how to do this and it was the best day of my life oh my god I was just like I would never wear a pad again wow <laughs> um, just because you know pads make you feel uncleaned right because like it's it, just there it's, it's just, just there it's like it's just on you so it was just like one of those things you know and I remember like growing up playing a game with my aunt and my cousins and I remember my aunt uh, we were playing this game uh, you basically say uh, three things two that wasn't true and one what that was true and so her truth happened to be a period moment for her uh, she worked at a I think it was like Bank of America at the time um, and she told us about getting her period and it leaking through her chair and she sat there until everyone left the office um, she did not get up and so she said once everyone left, she got up and she looked at the chair and she was just mortified because it was ruined. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, I wrapped my coat around my waist and I left. Coats are such a lifesaver. Luckily, she had on a jacket. Yes. You know, so. People don't understand the multifaceted uses yes. of jackets. <laughs> yes. You don't understand how many times a jacket have sur- saved the dignity of yes. a girl. Yes, and so that saved hers. Um, and so, you know, uh, I was I'm always working in a more env- an environment with mostly women, um, and so it's always these stories about like getting their period or um, hiding their tampon and like, oh, can you see? Can you see the impression yeah. in my pants? Can you yeah. see? Um, and it was just like this thing or that I'm going to stand up, look, Can you look check? if anything exactly. has spilled over. Exactly. Because yeah. in your mind, you know it has, you know, because it's just like, oh, or my God. Or sometimes you're just paranoid, too. You're yes. just like, oh, dear God. Yes. All right. It is like it didn't seep through, thank God. <laughs> and you, it's, 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 it's crazy how these kinds of anxieties that women have foster these kinds of relationships of trust. Yes. You know, between women where it's like, okay, I'm in this place. Who can I ask yes. to check me? Yes. You know? Yes. Um, this thing's been riding up, creeping away. <laughs> I thought I had the wings. I thought it was extra long. <laughs> And it's not. Yes. And so, um, yeah, it's just one of those things that, like, has happened my entire life that I've dealt with. And so I started FinPAC after a girl's trip to L.A. with my best friend. Um, She is a I wear black all the time girl. So she was real excited about buying these white pants and bringing them on the trip. 
And unfortunately... I do love a good white pants. Yes, she was real excited. She's like, I'm going to run on the beach. You know, she was all excited. And Take then, angelic pictures. Yes. And we do have pictures of us on the beach. But then, boom, it happened. You know, and we like rushed to the nearest CVS and Walgreens, thinking we were going to find something that was convenient for her um, to make her feel safe, basically, on her flight back to New York. And unfortunately, there wasn't anything that didn't involve a cardboard applicator. Uh, She complained about them not having her, like, the brand that she loves. Um, And then she didn't have the proper underwear. So we were looking for underwear. And I think the only size they had was like 3x so it's basically all of these missing pieces like and it was just like okay we know this happens because if you if you are <laughs> gonna wear a pad it cannot be a thong exactly you know <laughs> it, it just does not it's a weird mechanics exactly you know exactly yeah so these stories i'm sure resonate i could see how your life becomes saturated any woman who you talk to. Yes. I think whether old or or modern day girls will have these stories about the sense of dread yes. that they have from just having their period or, you know, whether it's the pain and how they have to develop routines around that or um, just making sure that they're not soiling yes. um, things and the processes that they have to develop around that. know about the actual product yes what is the actual product what is in it so our kit um comes with one black panty one pad one tampon with plant-based applicator one penny liner one feminine wipe one two tablet ibuprofen and one dark chocolate mini for cravings um our pads biodegrade after 290 days um and i think our tampon applicator if i'm not mistaken is 95 percent sugarcane um, and so it's all about sustainability as well, but also about convenience. Um, again, it's all about making menstrual hygiene care accessible in every space that women and all menstruating people exist. Um, and so it's about six by one. You can put it in a large pocket, your purse, keep it in your car, um, as well as work. Um, and so the spaces we were looking to get into and are in um, are some schools. We're in hotels. Um, we have a travel trade show coming up where we're really trying to push them um, into the airline industry as well as airports. Um, you know, but again, it's really about making them available in every space that we exist. Um, parks, nightclubs. Everywhere, you know, <laughs> that's one thing we shouldn't have to worry about. Um, and also, if you want me to shop in your store, if I get my period, I'm going home. Like, how about you provide me with something, you know? And so it's really thinking about the the consumer, um, not just about like the money, but about making sure that you're providing accessible menstrual hygiene care. I was at a trade show, like I said, recently, um, and so many women came up to me and was like, oh, my God, I need this product now. Or I needed this last night at the casino. I had to buy, like, all the pads, and I only needed one. Right. 
And so, yeah, while I was out, I was taking pictures in the airport, uh, in the casinos to see. And all you have is like this big box of tampons and big bulky pads. So it's just like, show the world. I'm on my period right now. See you guys, you know. And so that's the one thing about our product is discretion. Um, We like to say that we make it easy for guys to go pick up their product for their wives because she can go to the store tomorrow. So, yeah, um, we just wanted to make sure that it was easy, convenient, and sustainable. You got into this business that probably thinking reflexively about your life as a woman and your personal experience, you leverage all of that into this undertaking, which is so fascinating. So I'm wondering, is it awkward when you talk to people about your business? Like the triple awkwardness of being talking about period and menstruation, being a black woman, male-dominated business world. How is the... What's the level of arc? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, in the beginning for me, okay, so I was just like, okay, April, if you're going to do this, you're going to have to be like transparent and you're going to have to strong muscle it. And (laughs) it's just like me talking to old white men about periods. And I conquered that fear probably Uh, Into our second year, right? Um, I remember I was going into a meeting with, uh, it was uh, to do business with the military. And I look at the table and it's all old white men. And it was just like, okay, you have to do this. And so I had a kit with me and I sat it down in front of them and I did my pitch. And I always look at everyone in their face to see who's comfortable and to see who's not comfortable. Um, there were a few who were comfortable because uh, they had wives, they had daughters, so they were involved in their lives. Um, but then you have men who don't want to hear that. Um, I was pitching once to a committee and a guy who was a CEO of a company he basically asks, why did he have to care about his women employees uh, when it comes to their periods? Why? He, that he, that sounds like a personal issue. Um, and so and we can extrapolate onto how lot. Why should I care about uh, single women with children during COVID having exactly. to teach at home? You yes. know? Why should I have to supply toilet paper? <laughs> okay, so that is the thing. So as he's going on and on, my face is basically like, oh, my God, I can't believe he said this out loud. And so as he finished, I go, um, I'm so happy you asked that question. Do you carry toilet paper with you everywhere you go? And he goes, oh, well, I think I have some in my truck. I wanted to yell, you're lying, but let's go with it. Let's say you have it in your truck, right? I said, oh, well, not in your truck. Like, do you carry a man bag, man purse with you, you know, just in case it happens while you're out? Um, I said, because you could be at the store, it comes, you go into the public restroom, you do your business, and the toilet paper says, mm, sorry, you should have brought your own. It sounds yeah. like a There's personal no problem, paper. right? There is it no toilet out, paper. You know. So what do you do in that moment? I said, what you're going to do is pull those pants up, <laughs> walk out as if nothing has happened, get in your truck, sit in it, <laughs> go home, and do your business. Hopefully, you can go home. You can make it. Yes, because some people 
have to sit at work for the remaining of how many hours they have left. I mean, they don't about have low that. income women who have to choose between going home uh, and losing the hours or yes. the, the pay that they would have received. Exactly. Right? So just to preserve their dignity. Exactly. Exactly. And so that was the point that I was making to him. Um, I also told him that produ- production will be lost. I think it's about 80 percent that's lost due to presentism, meaning they're at work but not working. And so I think he got it. He understood it. But I also say I'm sure every time he goes to the restroom, he thinks about Finpack. Yeah. Good pitch. <laughs> Good pitch. you describe the experience building the company finding funding getting people receptive to the idea so I got a lot of my traction outside the state um, a lot of doing accelerator programs and pitch competitions I was a part of the scale challenge uh, which was put on by the Center of Advancing Innovation um, and so we ended up being a winner, um, one of 25 companies to be a winner, the only company in Arkansas to win. Um, and so uh, we, you know, went through all of that, doing pitch competitions to, like, put myself out there, to put the company out there. Um, and then so after winning that competition, after winning the um, scale challenge and doing competitions, we started to get noticed here in Arkansas. Um, and so I applied for Innovate Arkansas, applied for the validation fund, and we recently was just funded by them in September. Um, and so, yeah, this it I won't say it, it has been challenging um, because, again, I'm talking about periods um, in spaces where people don't want to hear about periods. Which is <laughs> going to be my next question about how race and gender affect you as an entrepreneur. These are big topics that you know, occupy our minds as undisciplined folks in African African American studies. So yes. how does it affect you, these two concepts, race and gender, affect you as an entrepreneur? Right. Well, I think it's like women, minority, black women are like 0.002 funded, you know. And so for us to even be funded, um, especially here in the state of Arkansas, like I feel like we're like this shiny object that won a prize, which we did. Um, and so, you know, it's hard. It's not an easy thing. You, you're going to have more no's than yeses. I usually go into it thinking it's going to be a no, even though I'm going to give it 150 percent. It's just easier for me to work that way, because if I get a yes, I'm like, all right, we got a yes. Um, but, you know, even trying to get contracts, you know, I've had race to play you know, into play with that or not getting something. And, you know, I follow a lot of um, black-owned entrepreneurs on Twitter and knowing that they have the same problem, too, of having to prove themselves. Um, I had a meeting with um, a public space here in Arkansas, and the meeting was so weird for me because I was so busy trying to validate that we were a real company 
that it was just like, well, why am I in this meeting? You know, you didn't even get to that what we have to offer. Exactly, <laughs> like it was we just are real. It was unnecessary. Um, and then the lady kept saying that she didn't have that problem, so she didn't understand other women having that problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I was like, well, you know, if you guys ever decide to create peered equity in your space, you know where we are, you know. Mm-hmm. And I just chalked it up to, like, that's just how she felt, you know. And so other entrepreneurs go through it, too. Because women, women internalize patriarchy, too. Oh, my you God. Know? And then they, they use themselves as the exception to invalidate your issue or, in your yes. case, your company's existence, right? Yes. Because it does not register for them, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, when we were fighting for HB 1065 here in the state of Arkansas to end the pink tax here in the state, um, talking with some representatives, uh, one was like, yeah, I got a lot of pushback from women. Like, they didn't want, they didn't see the need for this or they didn't feel like we should talk about this. I had one older lady, she loved the fact of what we were doing because she told me her story about uh, her father telling her mother that he didn't want to see anything related to to her period at all. She was like, I didn't know. You know, I just put it in a garbage. And she was like, my mom came to me and told me this. She said that put a stigma on her so that she taught that to her daughters. She taught that to her granddaughters. Think about women who are dating, because I've had this experience certainly in my dating life where you go over and men will tell you that this is like their one thing. Right? Yes. It's like, I just don't want to see the pad in the trash. <laughs> what? Sir? But they'll watch Kill Bill on TV. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, but you want to talk about death, but not what gives life. life yeah. You know, yeah, it's just so ridiculous li- to uh, me. I wish you healing. Yes. Please but it's like that for, for ads as well. Like, that's why you see these, like, ridiculous period ads with a woman wearing all white, dancing in the street, happy she got her period. It's like, yeah, yeah she probably happy she wasn't pregnant yeah but it wasn't the fact that like oh see flowers blooming yes i'm happy like no like let's be real about this let's tell like real life situations and that's something we're hoping to do as well Mm -hmm. because expanding on women's health it's not just about periods it's about the overall health of women As the token guy on the podcast here, yes, I have no idea how a tampon works. <laughs> um, do you ever run into situations, I'm sure you do, as a black woman who's trying to explain things to men, do you ever run into this aspect of like explaining why this is even necessary in the first place? You know, it's funny. I haven't. Um, a lot of guys don't ask. Um, it's funny, my fiance, oh, he knows all about the period. I hope now. so. Like, he's all like, 
the periods. Yeah. Um, I hope but, he's bringing up those conversations in his group oh, yeah. chats. He's like, <laughs> he thinks it's funny because, like, he just started, recently started a new job. That's how we ended up um, relocating to Fanville. And he was like, yeah, I was talking to one of my coworkers about FinPack. And then I thought, I hope I didn't make her uncomfortable talking about <laughs> periods, you know, as a guy being so yeah. comfortable. But um, I like to repost other people's uh, posts on social media. And there was one in particular where this girl shows her boyfriend how a tampon works. Um, and she has a two-liter bottle, and she puts the tampon in, slides it in, and it expands. And he goes, oh, that's how it works. Yeah. You know? like, I've seen TikToks yes. where, where they do this, where really? where like a woman a woman will give a guy like a like a 20, like a 20-ounce drink or a two-liter, and, and he'll put it in. And it's just mind-blowing. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> but 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 I, I wonder from like a professional element and you kind of talked about it a little bit with with the guy who was just like well I don't I don't see why this is necessary yes. um you know is there is there almost this like denialism of of like why do I even need to talk about this yes I think for uh, men of a certain age I think that's you know that's just how they grew up right yeah. like I'm a man's man. We don't talk about periods, you know. How do you how do you get how do you get them to a space where they can acknowledge that that's something they um maybe not just like personally need to understand, but just like societally need to understand. Right. How do you how do you get them to that space where they can say like this may not be necessary for me, but my coworker Jenny needs this. Yes. So I like to bring in like their their moms or their wives or their daughters. Um, I will say this, Innovate Arkansas, when I pitched, when I was talking about my product, oh, they were all white men. Um, And only one had daughters. And he was the advocate because he understood that this was a problem because it happened to his own daughter. He was like, oh my God, April, it happened to my daughter. And all I was thinking, I should have ordered some fin packs for her. And then the other guys are like, Oh, he's like, guys, this is a real thing, you know, and they're like, oh, so I think it's this whole convincing the guys who understand or who care about their wives and daughters. So we need men to betray their gender. Be allies. (laughs) So the hotel owner that recently picked us up, he doesn't have daughters. He was like, my mom had boys, you know, and they only had boys. And so... Um, when I was talking to him about our product and I asked him the question, I was like, I'm sure most of your employees are probably women, right? And he goes, yes, they are. And he was like, I never even thought about it. Like, it never even crossed my mind that yeah. this was an issue. And so I think us, you know, helping him to identify that, I was like, because your employees could easily go home. Right. Like now you've lost whatever productivity you needed to happen at work and she's lost out on pay. Um, And so he was just like, oh, my God, April, like I want to have these in my hotel. And it's it's quite interesting how, you know, maybe, you know, and for you, I'm sure as a business person, that bottom line pitch is important because while they might not respond to 
women need dignity right <laughs> you losing labor yes. because people are in- incapable of functioning because they don't have these basic necessities <laughs> seems to be a more compelling reason and you know what's funny is I had to evolve my pitch into that because it was never about like oh your bottom line it was no about the women and this happening but I finally understood like yeah. for them to understand because that's what they care about you have to meet them about. where they're at yes with April. You yes have to put the put the <laughs> what did i hear somebody say the other put the grass where the goats can eat it <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much april thank you guys i am me. so pleased to know you and i'm so inspired by your vision thank Thank you so much, and we will certainly be keeping up with what you do next with FEMPAC. Thank you. Thank you so much. Undisciplined is hosted by Dr. Karee Banton and produced by yours truly, Matthew Moore. We are a production of the African and African American Studies Program at the University of Arkansas, Ozarks at Large, and KUAF. You know where and how to subscribe to this podcast. Make sure you're doing it. And... Thanks for listening.